episode of Beaver County Kickoff here on the Beaver County Times Sports Talk Network. I am your host, Noah Hiles, and joining me as always are Partha Pavia, sports reporter. And Josh Carney, education and sports reporter. And guys, we are on the back nine of the Whippeal football season now. Week six is here. The playoffs are right around the corner. I mean, last week I sent an email saying, here are the games that we're pretty much going to cover for the rest of the year, barring some crazy changes, some unexpected upsets that might change. But we have an idea now on what teams are in at least the conversation to make the postseason. And man, we're less than a month away from from Whitfield playoff football. Josh, you were a part of that as a player, as was I. Parth, you haven't experienced it as a no. fan, as a player, as a student, or as a journalist, which you will now in a couple in, in less than a month. And let me tell you, man, I'm pumped, it's, man. It's very exciting. It's one month away from Friday night. It's wow. one month away, and it's gonna <laughs> be big. Before we get too far, though, we got to recap week five, another very eventful uh week. There was one big statement, I think, that was made throughout the entire Whippeal. It took place in Beaver County, it took place on Saturday, and our guy Josh just so happened to be there. Josh, why don't you start us off? by your week five takeaway. Yeah, uh, the demise of the Rochester Rams was greatly exaggerated by myself and everyone else on this podcast, and apparently in western Pennsylvania. Uh, Rochester, just massive statement Saturday at Moon High School against Olsh. Uh, 34-7 was the final. I covered it. You can find that on Times Online. Selfish plug there. I apologize. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're back. They're healthy. Uh, I know that they're still missing Parker Lions. I did hear... Um, from their coach that Parker will have his cast off here in the next week or so. That obviously doesn't say he's going to come back right away, uh, but they could get their starting quarterback back in the lineup prior to the playoffs. But uh, yeah, um, they are in the driver's seat in one a, once again, they went from five to number one uh, in our rankings this week, but uh, they, they just had a dominant showing both sides of the football um, you know, offense just moved the ball at will. Defense shut down Olsh's high-flying attack. Uh, it was a broken play that Olsh scored on. They they had uh, a receiver sneak behind the secondary wide open on a busted coverage. But, uh, yeah, they Rochester is back. They're healthy, and uh, they've got a significant chip on their shoulder moving forward. And those teams, they hate each other. I mean, looking at recent history, Olsh has one Whippeal championship. It came over Rochester. And those, I think that was the last time both of those schools have been to Heinz Field. And I wouldn't be shocked if they end up meeting there again. Depending on how the 1A bracket unfolds, I think what's going to happen is Rochester's going to end up being the 2 and Olsh is going to be the 3. But by if some crazy occurrence, Rochester gets the 1 over Clarendon, I think Clarendon's going to end up getting the 1 just because they have a more established program than Rochester, which is crazy to think about. But yeah. they just have uh, been that good over the last decade plus. So if they end up on separate sides, I think one of them on a good day could upset Clarendon and they could meet again in Heinz Field. And if they don't, I wouldn't be shocked to see them play again in the semifinal. Yeah. And that's that's far down the line. But I, what you said, Josh, is is a very valid point. I mean, we all wrote them off. We all wrote off Rochester with their with their 16 nothing loss to Union, even though they had all those starters hurt. That's really never been the Rochester excuse before. Like they've always kind of found a way, especially against a team like Union. But they're back, and yeah, they're and that's and we pissed that, them off. Yeah, and that's that's what Gene Matzik said. He was like, you know, we should have won that game, regardless of injuries. We we should have won that game, and they didn't. And then obviously Union comes out and loses to Northgate the following week. Uh, just one quick point on Olsh, though. I mean, they have size and a lot of skill, but uh, they were bullied up front. 
Like they were absolutely bullied up front on both sides of the ball. They could not block Rochester one-on-one, uh, you know, and protect Nehemiah Azeem. And if you can't protect uh, in today's game, you're not going to throw the football. I think we're seeing that at all levels. And uh, yeah, that's something they've got to get right. Cause they've got a ton of size up front on the line under Dan Bradley. Parth, what was your week one takeaway or week six, week five, my gosh. Hey, I'm I'm losing control. I'm losing control. <laughs> yeah. hey, what man, was it's, your it's week, that time of the season? What was your week five takeaway, Park? But how about Alacopa freshman tailback to Kwai Hayes went off against Beaver, 208 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 23 carries. A heck of a night for him. Um, Noah, you covered them in week two against Central Valley, and and you said you hadn't hadn't seen the kid, right? Like there I mean, was guys he, in front of him. He ran the ball a couple of times, but right. going into this year, it was supposed to be Lindsey in the backfield, and he looked good against Beaver Falls. He looked decent against Chartier or Central Valley, but I mean, this Hayes kid, we just did the the numbers, run them off over the last two weeks. The numbers are absurd. Last two weeks against Beaver and Quaker Valley, the kids got thirty six carries, three hundred and eleven rushing yards, and five touchdowns. His season stats, get this, his season stats, 58 carries, 482 rushing yards, and six touchdowns. So he's got, like, what, you know, math is not my first, you know, first strength, right, which is why I'm a sports journalist, but that's like, what, 70%? (laughs) Yeah, it's almost 70% 70 of his carries and rushing yards. How many touchdowns does he have on the year? Do you have that number? He has six. He has six. six. So, yeah, five of his six rushing touchdowns have come in the last That is insane. And, you know, this – Obviously, we wish we could be at every game. Uh, I'm not really trying to go back and watch uh, the film on a 66 to nothing win over Quaker Valley that they had. No, but I, I'd be interested to see because he had, you know, a, he had a big game there over 100 yards, three touchdowns against the Quakers right. on what is it, 13 carries. I yeah, want to know when those carries took place. Was that with the first team or did he do something against Quaker Valley and maybe the second quarter with the twos where he looked so good that? Mike Warfield was like, you know what? Let's just give him some. Let's give him some tread with the ones today, and he he knocked his opportunity out of the park. Because and you know what? That's what I asked him after the game. I'm like, Taquai, like you know, you've you've definitely come on these past two weeks. What happened? Like, why you know why weren't you getting these kind of uh, carries? You know, week one, two, three, four. And he says that it was a trust thing. You know, being a freshman at a program like Aliquippa, um, these guys, his teammates, played with him. You know from a young age. So they knew he could do it. They always seen that in him, but you know, he had to build the trust from, uh, you know, from Warfield and coaching staff. He had to gain that running back is not a position that Aliquippa takes lightly. I mean, they, he, they're replacing Vernon red, who was an all state tailback last year. I mean, you go down the long list of great performers that the quips have had at that position. Obviously they have the great linemen. They're known for putting skill players in the NFL with, with, with uh, Revis and Ty law being two of the more recent ones who are, you know, stars going to be Hall of Famers, both of them one day. But, I mean, the the Quips have always had huge production on the ground, and it's led by some incredible athletes in the backfield. And like like I said, with Red, uh, Zariah Fisher was a guy. I remember when I was playing, it was Drayvon Henry. They've, They've had all of these guys. And it looks like Hayes is the next one. And for it to be a freshman, that's just something you don't see often in Aliquippa. You don't see freshmen starting anywhere on the field at Aliquippa, let alone at running back, which, like I said, traditionally is the heart of the Quips offense. They have been able to throw the ball in the past. They have a quarterback who can really sling it now, but Aliquippa loves to run the ball. They're a a physical team, and when you got a freshman taking over the bulk load of the carries – 
and the start of conference play, that's a huge story. That's what I was asking you guys, you know, before the podcast, you know, you guys have been around the whippy longer than I have, obviously. Um, just how rare that was for a freshman to do what he did. I thought it was absurd. 208 yeah. yards, two touchdowns. It was, it was a crazy night for him, obviously. But I mean, this shows that Mike Warfield trusts his younger players because he's not the only underclass. I mean, they got a sophomore quarterback and a freshman running back. I mean, Aliquip is dangerous now, but my goodness, can you and imagine? I, and their yeah. second string tailback, John Tracy, yeah. during the Beaver game, you know, he's a sophomore. Yeah, yeah and they're, I, I, they're gonna be they're gonna be a problem for years on years to come. And I wonder if this says something um, about Hayes just in general, like that he is as a freshman elevated himself into this role with his work and, and how special he could be moving forward. So, so I'll move, uh, I'll wrap things up with my week five takeaway and uh, it's, it's pretty broad, but it's just something I've noticed. I've, I've been kind of yesterday, last night, I went through all the classifications and I kind of made my, my mock playoff brackets just to get an idea of where the teams in our coverage area rank, who's got a good chance if things ended today to make a deep run Obviously, Moon, Central Valley, Rochester, Olsh, maybe Beaver Falls or Western Beaver as a dark horse in 2A. Just looking at WPIAL, Class 3A, I don't think there's been an easier road to Heinz Field than what Central Valley is going to have. And this isn't talking down on Central Valley. They can beat teams in 4A. They showed they can do that. They, they could beat a lot of teams in 5A. I have no doubt about that. They could probably beat Baldwin, who's a 6A school. However, the competition that they have in, in Class 3A, its name is North Catholic, and that's it. They don't really that's have it. anyone else to worry about. There are 20 teams in Whitfield Class 3A. Only six of them have winning records as we enter Week 6. So with, with four games left in the season, there it's what, – what is it? 30% of the yeah, classification. Yeah, that's the math we did, yes. <laughs> 30% has a, a record over 500. Now that's going to probably go up because some of these teams, 3A is an interesting classification because you could go two routes. You could be the team that beats up on single A schools in your non-conference, or you could be the team that wants to get Play better up. and you could challenge a lot of 4A programs and 5A programs in non-conference. And you've seen that with like Keystone Oaks has done that. Um, there, there's been a couple others as well. I mean, so Central Valley played... Telling. Yeah, but it's just kind of like, holy cow, that if it's, it's if it's this bad, I mean, you take a look at Central Valley's conference. There's really only one team I think that can even hold them to within three scores, and that's Avonworth. And uh, that's that might even be a bit of a stretch what I said there. It's just a very, very, very yeah. weak conference, this weak classification this year, which, you know, back when Aliquippa was in it and Quaker Valley was a lot better, that was a deep classification but if, if the season ended right now two of the eight teams to make the playoffs from that classification wouldn't have a winning record they'd be 500 which is just crazy to think about when only eight teams out of 20 make the playoffs to begin with yeah but that'll wrap it up any guys any final thoughts uh for the week five recap no, no. i think we're I think we're good all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, Josh sits down with our player of the game from our game of the week last week. It's Sal. Is it Lore? Lower? Lowry. Lowry. Wow. Well, I had no idea. I, thought I it was, was off there. I've been right? saying it wrong the whole season. Sal Lowry sits Sal down with Lowry. Josh. They uh, do a nice little interview, hear what he has to say about Rochester being back when we return. Uh, 
guys thank you so much welcome back to the beaver county kickoff show i am josh carney sports reporter for the beaver county times and in this middle segment of our show each week we talk to a player of the game from the previous week obviously we're doing our week six preview right now but i want to go back to week five i'm going to talk to rochester senior running back and linebacker sal laurie sal how you doing buddy i'm pretty good how about you good so, obviously, I was there Saturday. You guys ran roughshod all over Osh. Uh, big win. You guys got a lot of your your uh, starters back healthy. Showed 1A, uh, who is top dog. And as uh, Coach Gene said, uh, who is in the driver's seat at this point at the front of the bus. Uh, I want to talk about your performance. Obviously, offensively, four touchdowns. Uh, defensively, though, you, you played a very key role in shutting down that high-flying Osh attack. What went into your performance defensively, and kind of what was your key uh, going into that matchup? Um, well, we knew that their line was pretty big and they had some size. And also their running back is not uh, <laughs> average size of a running back. So um, my main focus was stopping the running game. And I had trust in my secondary to uh, do their job. So we both did our job pretty well and came out with a win. Yeah. Offensively, you guys came out firing right away. Uh, marched down the field 51 yards in your first drive. You punched it in one of uh, three rushing touchdowns on the day. You finished with 19 carries, 83 yards, uh, three touchdowns. What was the key to your success on the ground against that defense that really hadn't been gashed like that all season? Yeah, I mean, um, well, we've been working on our line all season. We lost, I think, four or five starters last year on the line that were all seniors. So, I mean, I just think our line's coming together and they're making holes for me. So give them all the credit. I want to go back to that union game. Obviously, you you saw some action at quarterback. You guys were dealing with a number of injuries. What did you guys learn from that game as a team? And how much did that forfeit the following week from Burgettstown help you guys kind of regroup and prepare for Olsh? I mean, we knew that once we lost the union, uh, we could not lose again to get our goal to win the section. So... I mean, that was our main focus, and we really didn't count Burgettstown as a win because we didn't really play them. So mm-hmm. we were we were uh, built up for Olsh, and you know, we, that's uh, our rival, so we wanted to take it out on them. Yeah, uh, that you did. You did take it out on them. 34-7 uh, to 7 was the final score. Uh, Rochester is back up at one, uh, number one in 1A in the Beaver County Times Whippeal rankings. Sal, I want to ask you, your younger brother, Antonio, you, you both share a backfield. What is that like to, to share a backfield yeah. with your brother and have the success that you guys do on the ground? Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I know many people have done it before, but once you actually do it, it's sort of a different feeling to uh, than words. But, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. He's he's tone. He's, he's outgoing and he's annoying and all that. But, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, one last thing about the Olsh game. Uh, obviously, you guys aren't known as a, a high-flying, throw-the-football type of attack. I know that was maybe the plan going into the year with Parker Lyons, at quarterback. Obviously, he's he's dealing with an injury. But you catch that that uh, that pop pass there on the second play from scrimmage on your second possession, take it 45 yards. What did you guys see on the previous drive? I know that you tried um, a halfback option pass there to Jerome. And I think that you slipped. Uh, but what did yeah. you guys see on that drive that led you to think, hey, we can hit them with this pop pass? Well, it was actually 
um, Union film that we saw, we noticed that every time uh, Duke went out for a fade or anything deep, that they'd pull the safety over and double him. And mm -hmm. because of the Mohawk game, because he had two touchdowns. So we just figured that they'd take their safety over top. And if they and if the safety goes over top, then they can't cover me. So I was wide open and I rushed in. Big game coming up this week. Obviously, you're, you guys are coming off an emotional win. But revenge is on the mind this week. You lost to Fort Cherry last year. You guys are out to correct that this year. How has practice gone? I know you practiced Monday. Um, how has that gone in your preparations for Fort Cherry? And, and how is the team uh, coming together going into this this big game here on Friday? Yeah, um, on our whiteboard, we have big banner revenge game. This is our biggest revenge game of the year. And uh, we want to uh, keep our statement going of who we are in the 1A. So. We'll see how it goes. All right. Now we're going to do the fun part. Just some quick hitters here. Uh, first thing that comes to mind, nothing too serious, but I want to start out. Favorite school subject? Uh, math. All right. Favorite sports team? Any any sport, but just favorite professional sports team? Um, I'm going to have to say probably the Broncos. <laughs> Real, all right, interesting. Okay, yep. favorite athlete. I see a Reggie Bush jersey behind you. Is that your favorite athlete? Yeah, um, there we he's go. one of. I'd have to say Walter Payton and uh, Reggie Bush. You try and model your game after either one of those? Um, sort of more like Walter Payton. Uh, my grandparents always have called me Sweetness since I was a little kid. So, yeah, I like it. All right, uh, early riser or night owl. I know you're a high school kid, so so do you go to bed late or up early it's in the not. morning? What's? <laughs> I'm definitely a night owl. Okay, all right. The last musical artist or group that you listened to? Um, Young Boy. What's your What's your go to song pregame? Uh, well, Young Boy just came out of the album, so uh, I'm gonna say Toxic Punk by Young Boy. Okay. Last one here. Do you prefer a long touchdown run or a game-changing hit defensively? Game-changing hit. Why, like why is that? Why is that? Uh, I mean, I feel like momentum is more key than a than a touchdown. Uh, but momentum, yeah, and having everybody hype on defense, that's an automatic stop. <laughs> yeah. And you did that a couple of times against Olsh. So, Sal, thank you so much for checking in here. Good luck on Friday night against Fort Cherry, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up here soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Big thanks once again to Sal for coming on the show and talking, you know, and hey, Josh, good interview, man. I mean, it's it's been a minute since uh, you got in on the, I've been doing the player interviews. I think on the back end of the season, it's going to be uh, more you and Parth and less Noah Hiles. I think everyone would be okay with that. Who tunes in. <laughs> So, guys, let's get into our week six picks right now. We're going to run down the standings real quick. Josh, again, stands alone at the top, uh, 64 and 12 on the year. I was the only one to uh, make a little bit of a jump at just one game, and now I'm with the middle of the pack. I tie with Parth, Bill, and Joe at 62 and 14, and the house is all by himself. The house, he's, we should call him the basement because he's sitting in last place right now at uh, 60 and 16 on the season. He's two games behind everyone. But there is some parity there. Are, there is, yeah, there's a little bit of difference uh, in some of these games this week, as opposed to the last couple weeks where it was pretty much the same pick sheet. Uh, 
game by game. There are a few games where we have multiple guys going with different teams. So we're going to we're going to start here real quick at the very top. Avonworth Ambridge, we all like the uh we not the Bridgers. The Bridgers looked good last week, but we're going to take the Antelopes over the Bridgers there. Avonworth gets our pick 6 to nothing across the board. Game 2, Southside at Carlington. We're all going with the Rams. We're coming off a very tough loss. And I I will say we don't really need to break this game down cuz Carlington isn't very good. However, I was hesitant at first to write Southside's name in this spot simply because I don't know the injury status of them because that, that was a contest that ended early against Stowe Rocks. So if it ended early, that would incline me to believe that there were some injuries. And when Southside only has 26 kids on the team, which ones are hurt? That right. could be a big difference. If, yeah. if, if Statler's not there, that's that's a different Southside team. But I still think they have enough – If, if they have 15 guys. I think they're going to have enough to get the job done against Carlington. We'll move on now to our third game, which I think is going to be a very, very good one. Parth will be there. It's Aliquippa at Chartiers Valley. And uh, we all went with Aliquippa. Parth, what was your reasoning behind going with the Quips? Man, the Quips offense looked absurd against Beaver. And I know Beaver's not the, you know, not the best team in that classification, but even with penalties and shooting themselves in the foot, they were able to get it done and put up, you know, 35 against that team. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, obviously, with Lamont Payne on the other side of the ball and guys like guys like Sire Clark, you know, uh, Jamal mm-hmm. Jeter, you know, a wide receiver for for the Quips. Um, I just think Alcoba has a little bit more firepower on that end. I So I covered our Chartier's Valley last week when they beat Blackhawk, and uh, I got to be honest, you know, I, I wrote about Lamont Payne. He had a huge game was probably the difference maker in that one. However, I don't think he's their biggest impact player. I, I was very impressed with Chartier's Valley's quarterback, Anthony Mackey. He runs the ball pretty much every single running attempt. If you look at their stats throughout the year, I think he averages almost 80 to 85% of their carries on the ground. And he, he throws the ball well. He's one of the Whitfield's top passers. Abe Ibrahim is their top receiver as far as receiving yards go. And then, of course, they've got Payne, who can, who can turn a small play into a big play at any time. Now, with that being said, Aliquippa's got more than enough athletes to to go toe-for-toe with them mm-hmm. on, through the air. And I think the biggest difference here is that Chartier's Valley struggles to stop the run. That's Ooh, not long night when you're playing Aliquippa. It's going to be a so, long night. Uh, that's, that's the difference there. Um, you can run the ball against them. And Central Val- or Chartier's Valley, their, their biggest win of the year is against Blackhawk. They haven't, I mean, they've played tough against some good 5A schools, but... I don't know. I think Char Valley is the second best team in the Parkway right now, but I think there's a big divide between one and two. Josh, anything to add? I actually think this game's going to be closer than than it really? seems like either you uh, expect. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be athletes all over the field. That's that's what we all agree on. But uh, I think Chartier's Valley, just based off what they did last week, I think that they can kind of get into that ball possession type offense a little bit, keep Aliquippa's offense off the field. Um, and that makes, you know, that, that gives your defense some rest. Uh, I think it'll be close, though. I, I am really curious to see Payne against some of these athletes. Though. This is going to be the first game where Cheese plays he, against a corner who can yeah. bait him. Yep. And we're going to see how, I mean, and, and Warfield rants about how great this kid's football IQ is, how how smart he is. I mean, his brother's a coach. He, he was great at Aliquippa as well as a quarterback. So he, he, he comes from a lineage of knowing the game well, and he has shown the ability to read defense as well. But this is going to be the first time he plays a corner that can 
give yeah. him the illusion that a receiver's open and all of a sudden he's not open. Yeah. And that's just mistakes. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a big test. My guess is they're going to probably keep it very simple, pound the rock, and do what Blackhawk did, which is get, get guys in space, short stuff, and let athletes be athletes. So we move forward now. Again, we all had Quippa or Aliquippa six to nothing over Chartier's Valley. Freedom, Elwood City. We all like the Bulldogs six to, six to nothing. Uh, Freedom's in desperate win or desperate need for a win, I should yes. say. And I think yes. they get it here over the Wolverines, as does everyone else. Central Valley against Keystone Oaks, probably the second toughest test that CV will face in its conference this year. Keystone Oaks has played some good teams, but. They're not Central Valley. We all like the Warriors, six to nothing in that one. New Brighton on the uh, road at Laurel. I thought this was going to be a much better matchup at the beginning of the season than what it really looks to be right now. We all have Laurel, six to nothing over New Brighton. Laurel, of course, having Luke McCoy, the Whippeals' leading rusher right now. Beaver Falls at Mohawk. This is uh, for second place of the MAC. And uh, we all have the Tigers, six to nothing over that. Uh, over over Mohawk, I think the Tigers are trending the right way, I, and I think everyone else shares that testament. We move on now to a game that we can talk about a little bit, and that is Blackhawk at Montour. And guys, you look at the Parkway Conference; it's Aliquippa, and it's kind of everyone else. There's probably only going to be enough, like one other team, maybe two, because if you look at Bell Vernon's conference with the teams that they have in there between Bell Vernon, Thomas Jefferson, Laurel Highlands, that's three of the eight playoff spots right there. Mm-hmm. So assuming that the Parkway is only going to get one, maybe two other spots at Aliquippa, Blackhawks got to start winning some football games now if they want to snag even the seven or eight seed, which is looking like that's going to be the ceiling for their season unless they're going to you know, win out and beat Aliquippa. This is a must win. And I did some I did some research on Montour. Montour, I just think they're in the they're in the same situation that Blackhawk, Beaver, and Newcastle are all in. I think Beaver and Newcastle had an easier non-conference schedule, and that's why their records are better. And I think Blackhawk and Montour challenged themselves and played some really good teams in the non-conference. I mean, Montour played West Allegheny, they played Moon. But that could have made them better. Montour's coming off of a loss last week to Newcastle, fourteen to ten, and we are all we're all on Blackhawk. We all like the Cougars six to nothing. Uh, they're getting Carson Davidson back. Josh, is that why you ultimately took Blackhawk here? Hundred um, percent. Obviously, Alex Pritchard played well uh, in the last two games, but Carson Davidson's a difference maker, and and that's that's the main reason I went with that. You get your your senior quarterback back in the lineup. I mean, what's that going to do for that offense that I don't want to say has struggled in the last two weeks, but hasn't been itself. Yeah. Uh, so so getting Davidson back, I think that's the key, and that puts them over top of Montour for me. And Davidson's one of four starters that they'll have back that they yep. were missing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, part, you know, just looking around, you know, from afar, do you think Blackhawk has enough to compete in this conference? I think so. I think they've shown us enough when healthy, right? That's the that's the key phrase there, when healthy. You know, in week one, they took on Beaver Falls, who is now better than we all thought they were, right? And beat Beaver Falls. They had a short notice against Central Valley, you know, defending the IAA champion and went, you know, not toe-to-toe by any stretch of the imagination with them, but hung with them for, for a large portion of the game. I think we've seen enough from this team when healthy that, you know, they can they can hang with a lot of opponents. 
All right, let's move forward now. We have Nishanik and Riverside. The Panthers heading over to Lancer Country, and we all love Nishanik six to nothing across the board. Moon at Peters Township. I will be at this one. This one was something I was really excited for last week. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's like, what in the world just happened? Peters Township makes no sense. You look at their schedule. They were number two. Moon is number one. Moon hasn't lost. They've been great. But Peters Township, they had one loss going into last week, and it was against a really good Mount Lebanon team. You can't fault them for losing to the number two team in 6A. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this team beat Penn Trapper, beat the brakes off of them, 28-14 on the road, and it was a, it was a game where the score really wasn't you know, clear as to how dominant of a win it was, but then they go in and they get crushed <laughs> by their rival last week, Upper St. Clair, 31 to three, something none of us saw coming. And the reason why on top of moon being a powerhouse and being the top team in five, a, the reason why Peters township really needs to be worried is because they can't stop the run. Upper St. Clair ran for 178 yards and three touchdowns on the ground last week as a team. That's not good considering that yeah. Moon probably has a three-time more efficient rushing yeah, attack. Might as well double that total this week. Yes. Uh, yeah, honestly, Noah, going into this week, uh, looking ahead to the schedule last week, I was like, oh, I might pick Moon to lose that game, you know, depending on what Peters Township does. And then they got waxed, and it was just like, yeah, no, I can't do that. I, I just don't know who Peters Township is at this point. You know, I'm curious to see your coverage from Friday night. Uh, but uh, I, I just really like that combination that Moon has under Ryan Lynn so far. I think in the end, we're, we're, we're talking about Gateway. We're talking about Penn Trafford, Upper St. Clair, Peters Township. I know where you're area, going. West I know Albany. where you're going. <laughs> it's just going to be between Pine Richland and Moon. And That's here's what it's going to be. And, and, and what I'm worried about as someone who wants to, you know, I want to see all of our teams make it to Heinz Field. That doesn't make yeah. me a biased journalist. I just want to cover championships. Of course. If I'm Moon, my big worry would be Pine Richland getting the four. Yeah. And you have to play them in the semis because they're coming on at the right time. And that I team's mean, still loaded with talent. I don't know if they're not. I think they're going to end up getting the four. Yeah. Unless if they win out and win that conference, then they'll maybe get a three or something, and then they'll see each other at Heinz Field. But the way it's trending right now is it's it's kind of juggling yeah. for who really is the, the the top threat to Moon. And I think quietly Pine Richland is and that's is climbing up there. That's the crazy part is you know like we do the whip the the Whippeal rankings every week, and we had to mention in our our scoop this week like Pine Richland is knocking on the door. They They're started zero and three. They're three and three now. They look like Pine Richland again. And they're beating good teams. They're coming. Yes. So like it seems like people are kind of sleeping on Pine Richland, but 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 they're coming. Hopewell Quaker Valley is our next game. We all like the Quakers across the board. Oh, wait, no. Josh has Hopewell. Before we go to Josh, Parth, <laughs> you've been around uh Hopewell. You know, you've been at their practices. Uh you've, you've talked to some some of their coaches, some of their players. Uh, what led to you taking QV over the Vikings? Yeah, I think we saw Hopewell last week against another, you know, bottom feeding opponent, if that's fair to say. Um, and the margin was wide enough to where you're like, eh. yeah, you know, it's tough to pick the Vikings right now. And that's nothing against mm -hmm. Matt Weiss and his program. I think he's going to build something special there when it's all said and done, but they're not there yet, man. No, they're not. And, and, and Josh on the flip side, why did you take Hopewell? Uh, I, I just, it, it's gotta happen at some point for this Vikings program. Um, I'm very down on, on Quakers program. And to add in uh, to my pick today, 
Quaker Valley, all activities were canceled on Tuesday. Uh, they they had a, a bed bug outbreak. So no, nothing happened with the high school. So you lose a day of practice in the middle of a week preparing for a game. Um, Hopewell has to get it done. There's there's talent there. Um, you know, it's a good coaching staff. They've got to get it done. I think this is the week. All right, so we move forward now. Olsh Union, I think we all think the Chargers are going to be playing pretty upset this week. We all yeah. like Olsh 6 to nothing. We get to our uh, most divisive game of the week, and that's Upper St. Clair at West Allegheny. And these are two teams that are fighting tooth and nail, and they're they're trending different ways this year. We're out, West Allegheny started 3-0, and and they're on a two-game skid. Upper St. Clair, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're happy as can be because they've just – upset their rival 31 to three. I just, I don't know what to make sense of upper St. Clair with their lot. Their losses to Mount Lebanon and Pine Richland make sense. Those are two good teams, but how in the world did this team lose to Penn Hills? I don't get it. 5A makes no sense. They are, they have so many good teams, but like, it's like the NFL almost like they're all so even. And I, I don't get it. Looking around here. I took upper St. Clair. Parth took West Allegheny. Josh took upper St. Clair as did Bill Ullman and Joe Sager, and the house rolled with West Day Parth. Why Why are you taking the Indians here? Do you think they can turn it around? This is a very important game for them. No, I think they can. I think, like you said, it's a pivotal part of their season right now. They started off really hot 3-0, and and they've obviously you know, slid back with two consecutive losses here. But um, this was a tough one. Like you said, Upper St. Clair, they lost to, to a 2-3 and three Penn Hills team. And the rest of their wins, they've got wins against Peters Township. They've got wins against... Um, Greensburg Central Catholic, but aside from that, like I don't think they've got a big statement win. No, the win got last week was a a the biggest Monumental. statement win of the Whippeal yeah. so far. Yeah. yeah, I mean they blew out Pen- or Peters Township. They blew them out, so that that's where it's that's fair. worrisome. And yeah. Josh, you want to build upon that? I went with Upper St. Clair because I've seen how to beat West A, and that's run the football, play physical defense. Yeah, uh, and that's what Upper St. Clair is, and 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 it's no disrespect to West A, but they kind of seem to be more of that finesse team. Uh, and and for sure. as you get later into the season, I don't think that that works against some of these programs. So I've got Upper St. Clair um, in just an old school dogfight, kind of like what happened against Kiski. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I can respect West A losing to Kiski without Gavin playing. You know, that's that's yeah, uh, that's a respectable loss. Yeah. You can't lose to Bethel Park. You just can't. No. And so, yeah, I just think one team has all the momentum while the other team has none of it. So that's why I went with Upper St. Clair. We move on to the last game we're really going to take a deep dive into, and that is Newcastle at Beaver. Again, these two teams, they're, they're fighting for playoff position. These are two teams that I think they both had a, you know, I think a little bit of an easier non-conference schedule. Newcastle sure. did play Central Valley, and, and so – Beaver tried to play them, but had to cancel because of COVID. But Newcastle sitting at four and two, and they—if you look at their four wins—they beat up on some bad teams. They beat up yeah. on some bad teams. They—they're coming off of a win last week over Montour, fourteen to ten. That was—that was key. Um, and this—and this is a split decision. I have Newcastle, as does the house, and everyone else is rolling with Beaver. Parth and Josh, what have you guys seen from Beaver that makes you think that they're going to win this game? And and that's not a skepticism. I'm just genuinely curious. No, it's a fair question. I think Beaver's a physical team, and I think what we saw last week against Aliquippa isn't indicative of the Beaver Bobcats. You know, Quip's just a, a great team, and there's a there's a big talent gap between those programs, and, and that's how that was going to go down. I think we all saw that coming. Um, 
But I think they they bounce back and get it together against a Newcastle team like Noah. You said they they don't have quality wins really. They've beat up on Quaker Valley. They've beat right. up on uh, not even beat up on Montour. They beat Montour by four points. A two and four Montour team by four points. So I just think you know one team's shown the ability to hang with tougher opponents and one team is not, and that's why I want the Bobcats. Yeah, I kind of just went with Beaver. I like what they're building there under Court Rouse. I really do. Um, they have that that old school hard nosed mentality that they're working on. It kind of hinders them offensively because uh, if they fall behind, you're not really going to throw the football to to get back into a game there. Um, but when they're right, they're running the ball down other teams' throats and they're playing you know smash mouth defense. And and I think they can do that against this Newcastle team. Um, you know, especially with it being at home. You know, they they've played at home I think twice in the last seven weeks. Um, largely due to COVID, but uh, yeah, just being at home, I think is going to give them an extra boost. And, and, and I think we'll see the, the Beaver team return that I've seen earlier in the year. And Josh, it's not that they, they don't throw it's They can't. Right? That's what like, I mean. Like, yeah. Is that no fair to say they cannot throw the football? No, yeah. It's can't. no disrespect to Wyatt Ringer, but he's a running back he's a running playing back. quarterback. Yeah. So. And yeah, that's just the identity of their team. They, they have to own it. Um, yep. Josh, you're a golf fan, right? What do they call the Saturday during Masters weekend. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. You know the answer. What is it? It's moving day. There Isn't we go. Isn't that what yes. they call it? They call it moving yes. day. I think yep. this is moving day Friday in the Parkway Conference. And yep. the reason they call it moving day is that's when the leaderboard really starts to shift around. And I think know- we're going to have a more clear-cut picture compared to what we got last week where there were some more lopsided matchups. I think we're really going to know how good Blackhawk is and what their chances. Because if they lose the Montour, they're they're going to have to really pull some upsets if they want to have a chance at the playoffs. If Chartier's Valley can upset Aliquippa, then all hell breaks loose. It's it's chaos all over the board. But it's there there are four matchups here, and all of them are going to end up, like, at the end of the year, you're going to look at their team schedules, and they're going to say, this team made the playoffs because they won this game, or yeah. this team's not in the playoffs because they lost that game. Very and, pivotal uh, matchups it, for a lot of be, teams. It's going to yeah. be fun to, to cover and watch. We got three games left to discuss. They're all unanimous picks. We all love Rochester over Fort Cherry. The Rams are rolling. J.D. Ajale, Sal, Denny, whoever you want to give the ball to. They're making <laughs> plays. The Rams are looking really good. Western Beaver on Saturday once again hosting Brentwood. Brentwood lost the Quaker Valley. Western Beavers won five in a row. We're all rolling with the Golden Beavers. Um you know, they beat a Seton LaSalle team who had some salty fans in our Twitter mentions at, uh, <laughs> on Friday night. Didn't know what that was about. Yeah. But nonetheless, we're moving forward. Our final game, Cornell at Burgettstown, my alma mater. Burgettstown looking really rough right now. They're in last place in the Big Seven. I think the Raiders continue to roll, and everyone else echoes that line of thinking. Six to nothing, Cornell. Guys, final thoughts. No, it's just it's going to be a really interesting week. I love the the moving day analogy. I think that's Absolutely. 100% what's going to happen here. Um, the picture is going to start to become clearer. It's like one of those those eyesight tests where it, it it's blurry in some instances, but it's going to start to become really clear, uh, and that's going to help us. That's going to be exciting for fans and, and schools looking ahead. Uh, it's just going to be an awesome week, and it feels like it's still – Week one at this point, but uh, the yeah. calendar has flown by and looking forward to uh, moving. I'll call it week, moving week, moving week. <laughs> Park, no, anything to add? No, absolutely. I think the storylines are what excites me the most. You know, I covered the quip game on Friday to Kwai Hayes there. And then I was at Moon yesterday. And you talked to some of the Moon guys and just the, the change in atmosphere in that community selling out Tiger Stadium. It's an exciting time, you know, across 
the boards nothing that teams like can cover. There's nothing yep. like it. When and we're getting to the thick of it. We're counting down now to, to the postseason. It's, 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 I'm pumped. Be sure to follow us all on social media. Hit that subscribe all button if you haven't already for our podcast. Share it with your friends, your enemies, your family, you know, random people you meet on the street. I don't care. We just want some more downloads. Uh, keep tuning in. And more importantly, keep heading to timesonline.com where we will have all of your Friday night coverage and Monday through Thursday, plus Saturday and Sunday as well. We've got it all. Pro, college, high school, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, tennis, lacrosse. We got it all for you, and we will see you all next week.